0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. We are in week... Two of our series, Psalms, and we're just looking at four different Psalms this month and how they apply to our everyday lives, and uh, this week we're going to be in Psalm chapter 142, and there's a little bit of context here that I want to put in place before we read. So we find King David. David is the author of a, a large majority of the book of Psalms, and he is hiding in a cave. Saul, the current king of Israel, was trying to kill him. He didn't want to give away his power, and so he's trying to track him down. He's trying to execute him. He has his, his army. He has his men looking for David. David and David is holed up in a cave, and that's where we find him. Psalm chapter 142, and we're just going to start right at the beginning in verse one. And it says this: "It says, I cry aloud to the Lord; I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy." Now, the first thing that we need to talk about: it's important to understand the style of which this psalm is written. This this prayer to God, this this cry from me to the Lord. The words "I cry out to the Lord" is vital. Because it is how one would speak to a king. You see, David understood that while he was running from a king, and while he would someday be a king, in his current situation, he was speaking to the king. So he's running from a king, he's going to be a king, but he's speaking to the king. King. He had that perspective. And I think that as we look at Psalms, it's important that we understand that the authors are speaking or singing or praying to their king, and that we need to have that exact perspective. Same mentality. It's so easy for us to look at Jesus or look at God as our friend. Uh, We've all heard Jesus is my homeboy. We think about him as our father, which is amazing. We think about him as our savior, which is absolutely true. But as we look at all of those things, we we cannot also miss the fact that he is our king, that, that we are speaking to royalty. You see, when we have that perspective, it helps us appreciate even more that Jesus would be willing to make time for us. He is the king. He is royalty. And yet he invites messy, broken people like you and I to sit at his table. He invites us into his inner court. He invites us to be a part of his family. And while he is royalty, that means that we are royalty too because So let's have that perspective. Let's be people who have this perspective of whom it is that we are speaking to. He is as close as a friend. He is as close as our father. He is absolutely our savior. But to also understand that our father is a king. David goes on to say in chapter 142, verse two, he says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. See, this verse is absolutely crucial to our relationship with God because we too often buy into the lie that God wants our put-together, God only wants our rehearsed, God only wants our pretty prayers. He only wants our put-together, rehearsed, pretty worship. He only wants the things that we think or we deem good enough for God, but that'll bring us to our first main point today, and that is this, is that God wants our mess. God wants our mess. It's so important that we understand that our worst parts are the parts that need the most redemption. And Jesus is our Redeemer. So as we're thinking about the things that we want to portray, the things that we want to bring before God, would we be people who are willing to bring the messy stuff, our our broken stuff? The, Jesus is is our perfect relationship. Jesus is our, is the perfector of our faith. He's the perfecter of our lives. He's our redeemer. He's our doctor. He's he's everything. He heals and, and, and equips and he does all of those things. And so as we look at the things that we need the most work on, let's bring those things. We don't we don't take the things that we're like we've got a B plus we've got an A minus and we're like hey we just want you to bump our grade. No we want the stuff that we're failing at. We we want the failing grade. We want to say Lord I need your help here. This is where I need to get back on level ground. I, I need to be par for the the course with this, so Jesus, would you fix? Would you redeem the brokenest, most, most messy parts of my life? And the second thing that David says in this is, pour out your complaints and troubles. Pour out your complaints and troubles. We have all had things happen in our life that we wish wouldn't have happened, or that we wish weren't happening right now, right? Like life, life as we know it is broken. It's full of broken people who do broken things, and and that includes you and I. Usually, we're the worst culprits of that. But, but life, humanity, is so messy, and we have stuff naturally because, because of our brokenness, because of others' brokenness, because of our human situation. We have stuff to complain about. There, there are troubles in our life. There are complaints that, that we get to bring before Jesus. We have stuff. Life's not perfect, and, and God wants to hear your complaints. He wants to know your troubles. He wants to know when you're pissed off. He wants to know when you're happy, but he, he wants to, all of it. He wants the mess and he wants the complaints and he wants the troubles and he absolutely wants the successes and the praises and all of those things. But we have to have a well-rounded relationship with Jesus and people who are willing to bring our messy complaints and troubles before him. Some of the holiest moments that I've ever had were in situations of complaint in situations of trouble. I needed to feel heard. I needed to know that God was present. And there's so many times in my life where I, where I would get in my car and I would start to have a really angry conversation with Jesus. And, I, and I, I would love to say that it was really articulate, but it was probably just me sobbing, crying, and messy, hitting my steering wheel, just being an emotional wreck. But, but that's okay. see, Jesus gives us license to be real with him. Jesus gives us license to be angry. Jesus gives us license to have real conversations with him. He's not looking for for cookie-cutter robot Christians. He's looking for people who genuinely want to be in relationship with him. And all of us can say that the, the best relationships in our lives are the ones where we can be vulnerable. The best relationships in our lives are the ones where we can be real and raw and we can get angry at each other and we can agree to disagree and we can do all those things, and, and that's in our human relationships. So why wouldn't we give that same effort and that same – attention to our relationship with Jesus, that we'd be people who are willing to sit there and be real. That doesn't mean that you sit there and you flip God off and and you curse him and all those different things, but you can be real and say, Hey, I don't know what the heck you're doing right now. Please, please. This is absolutely unacceptable in my mind. This is, this is something that I'm struggling with. Can you explain it to me? Can you step into this? Can you give me peace? And he will. I know that the times that I've brought my complaints and I've brought my troubles and I've brought those things, the things that I felt like were God's fault or were my fault or were my friend's fault or whoever's fault, Jesus was willing to listen. He was willing to step in and fill the gap and be my peace, be my rest. You see, the outpouring of complaint is not meant to tell Jesus what he doesn't already know. He already knows us perfectly. It's not for his information. It's for the complainer's relief. It is for the complainer's relief, not God's information. And we need to understand that that as I bring my complaints and I bring my troubles before the Lord, it's not so that he's like, oh yeah, like oh now I get it. Of course he already he already knows. He already gets us. He knows us to to the innermost of our being. But I find relief in the ability to bring my complaints and troubles to him. I find relief if I am able to get it out on the table. You see, complaint is actually a loose translation. The Greek word would actually be something more along along the lines of troubled thoughts. And maybe you don't find yourself in in a place where you have big complaints or big troubles right now, but, but we probably have troubled thoughts right? This is key because we have to know that God wants all of it. The things that have happened, our worries, our anxieties, our fears, whatever it may be, bring all your troubles, all your troubled thoughts, all your complaints, and trust that Jesus cares enough to help you through him because he absolutely can. Those troubles, those things, he will help you through them. See, David was literally being chased down to be murdered. He had a lot of stuff happening physically, but also internally. There's so much going on in David's life and it's absolute chaos, but... He then follows those first two verses with this statement in chapter 142, verses three through five. He says, this is when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way in the path where I walk. People have hidden a snare for me. Look and see there is no one at my right hand. There is no one concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So the next point today is this, is know who your refuge is. Know who your refuge is. See, David was afraid and alone, and yet still he knew that God was there for him when he needed him the most. When my spirit is faint within me, he says, when my spirit is faint within me, it is you who watch over me. It is you who watch over me. This statement is huge because we all have moments where we feel like we're at the end of our rope, right? Like we we need to know that when we feel like we can't go anymore, when we can't push forward on our own, Jesus is right there to bear the load for us. He is right there to push us in the direction that he wants us to go. You see, this is the thing. It is natural to be overwhelmed at times. It's absolutely natural to have fear. It is absolutely natural to have anxiety. That is, is the natural part of our humanity, but thank God that we serve a supernatural Jesus. The Jesus, he takes the things that are natural to us and he places his supernatural peace, his supernatural grace, his supernatural love over the top of those things and says, Hey, I've got you. I've got a net, I've got I've got your back. I'm gonna push you forward. I'm gonna encourage you. I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna be what you cannot be in this situation. It's so important that we understand that God is outside of our timeline, that God is is, is over everything that we have. We, we put God in this human box. We see your earthly circumstances not de- determine God's presence. Your earthly circumstance does not determine God's present. It's so easy for us to think that, like, oh, like maybe God's too busy to help me. Maybe my circumstance is less important than Steve's circumstance over there. Or man, I see the situation that Stephanie's in. I see how bad that is. I see, like, I can, I can see with my own human eyes that that is worse than mine. But luckily, we serve a God that doesn't just prioritize the bad. We, we have a God who is able to prioritize every single person. We have a God who literally steps into our gap if it's, if it's a small, insignificant thing or if it's a big, huge, life-altering thing. Jesus is sufficient enough for every single one of us, and it should bring us the, this awe-inspiring perspective of who Jesus is, that he is willing to, at the exact same time, cohesively deal with my problems and deal with your problems if we would both be willing to seek him out. He's not looking at our lives and asking him who needs him the most today because he only has so much to give. He is God. In fact, David, in Psalm chapter 46, verse one, he also says this This is a hundred Psalms before this, but he says this, he says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. See ever present, meaning always there. There is not a circumstance or a situation that he doesn't want to be a part of. So be somebody who brings everything to him and know who your refuge is. Lean into him in times of trouble. Don't run away. And there's there's this difference. There's this difference between David and I, and there's this difference between you and David as well. See, David was sure to point out that nobody was next to him. He said, there's nobody my right. There's nobody who has concern for me. I am all alone. He felt that nobody on earth cared for his life. But here's the thing. We are not alone. We are not alone. College age movement is, a, is just one example of what it means to do life together. And while we hope that, that you start coming to college age movement to, to learn and to worship and to, to, to be a part of that, there's also this huge desire to see it happen in community. And whatever it is, maybe it's not college age movement. Like maybe you're in a different state. Maybe you find yourself going to a different church or a different college group and whatever. That's absolutely fantastic. Whatever you're doing to pursue Jesus, we're on board with that. But you need to find community. Too often we try to do things on our own and it doesn't happen as well if we don't do it with the people around us. I have loved Jesus since I was really little. When I was four years old, I accepted Jesus into my life, but I don't think I fully understand what it meant to follow Jesus or to be loved by Jesus until I was in high school, until I had people surround me in times of trouble and celebrate with me in times of joy. When I finally let my guard down, I said, hey, this pursuit of Jesus isn't just my own. It's also the people around me. While I have my own unique personal relationship with Jesus, I will learn so much more if I do it in tandem with the people around me. And when people started to call me out on my crap, and I was able to call people out on theirs, and people were able to encourage me when they saw me do something Uh, a positive, and I got to do that as well. That was so important to my growth. Around Faith Chapel, we have one of our core values, and that's simply this, is that we grow better together. We grow better together. We were created for relationship. We were created to do things with one another. The ecclesia, the church, was meant to be a group of people pursuing Jesus together. And my prayer is that we would do that on a regular basis. And maybe today you feel like you have great community, great community around you. And that brings me incredible joy. I I pray that you have great community and that you aren't seeking that right now. But there are people listening right now who would say, No, I I feel like David. I feel like somebody who doesn't have anybody at their right or their left, and that nobody is concerned for my life. And if that is you, I pray that you would come to College Age Movement. I pray that you'd come to Faith Chapel. I pray that you find a church somewhere wherever you're at that would lean into you and that you would find community, you would find love, that you would find family. and if you do feel like you have incredible community, then be that for somebody else. Go be their community. Go be their family. I want to challenge you this week to go out and find somebody to love so well that they feel like they have uh, gained a new family member. That is one of the the most vital parts of following Jesus is that we introduce him to other people, that we introduce him to to his love and grace and mercy through the way that we love and the way that we speak. David finishes his prayer with a raw and honest statement. In verses six through seven, he says this, listen to my cry for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. I love this statement. I need to be rescued. I need to be rescued. My enemies are too strong for me. My enemies are too strong for me. He understood that his current situation wouldn't go the way that he wanted if it was absence from the presence of Jesus. So he admitted, I need you, God. This won't turn out if if left just to me. There's this human tendency within us that fights against, against wanting help, but also wanting help from God. Don't fight that. Lean into that. Understand, my enemies are too strong for me. David was one of the greatest warriors on all of history. We're talking about the David that cut off the head of Goliath and held it up in front of the armies of Goliath, and, and he said, hey, Philistines... I've got the head of your greatest warrior, and he mic-dropped that thing, and he said, now go, run, flee, because I serve the living God, the God of the nation of Israel. There's a God who is moving and alive and active. This was the most manly man that we, we have ever seen in history. He was just a dude, and yet he was willing to stop and say, No, my enemies are too strong for me. I cannot do this on my own. He knew that there was physical enemies, but he also knew that there was something else. He says, free me from my prison that I may praise your name. Lord, release me from this prison so that I may praise your name. And there was a literal aspect of that. He wanted to get out of the cave so he could praise God's name, but he also knew that there were internal prisons. There were things happening within him that were preventing him from fully praising his God, from fully praising his king. He felt like he couldn't do that. David recognized that it was hard for him to truly give God the praise that he deserved if he was imprisoned by anything. So today I want to end with this question. What is holding you captive? What is holding you captive? What is preventing you from truly worshiping Jesus? Is it fear, anxiety, Is it lust? Is it greed? Is it the pursuit of other people's approval? Whatever it may be in your own life, what is holding you captive? What is getting in the way of you fully surrendering to Jesus? What is preventing you from truly worshiping God? So as you leave this week, as you walk into your families, as you walk into your workplaces, as you walk onto your campuses, whatever it may be, what is holding you captive? What is keeping you? And I pray that you're able to address that thing. And if you if you're saying like, "Hey, I know something is holding me back. I know something is," but I don't know what it is. Lord, I, I pray that that God would reveal that to you this week. That He would identify the things that are preventing you from fully stepping into your relationship with Him, and that you'd be able to address those things so you can live life and life abundantly. That you'd be somebody who is able to step into their relationship with Jesus, not hindered or held back. By anything. Hey, we're so glad that you decided to tune in to this episode of the College Age Movement podcast. If you are in Billings, we always want to invite you Tuesday night, seven o'clock here at Faith Chapel. We would love to have you here and be in that community that we are called to. If you can't make it on Tuesday nights or you're not in Billings, we hope that this podcast continues to be uh, something that brings you life and joy, and we will talk to you next week for part three of our series through Psalms.